Hello, everyone. Welcome to, the, to today's show. My name is Mike Finale, Vice President of Marketing at Assure. And today we're going to unpack, uh, I think, a timely topic around health savings accounts, HSAs, versus flexible spending accounts, FSAs. There's a lot of similarities. There's some really important differences. Uh, and as uh, the trend continues to shift towards legislation and benefits, going more and more towards employees as a recruiting and retention tool, even for small employers who may not be legally required to, to, to provide uh, health benefits, just as we face this war for talent uh, uh, as a way to attract and retain employees. So uh, we're gonna unpack the differences uh, in, in how you should be thinking, employers should be thinking about choosing uh, differences between HSAs and, uh, and FSAs, excuse me. Uh, it's acronym soup, it's a tongue twister. Uh, and with me today is uh, Heather James, a uh, regular guest on the show uh, and manager of our, of our uh, benefits operations uh, down in Tampa. So welcome today, Heather. Thank you, thank you for having me. Okay, so <clears throat> in HR we have all these acronyms. Can you just kinda, let, let's start out with just some definitions, right? So can you just kinda unpack what are HSAs, what are FSAs, uh, and then we'll kind of jump ahead and, and, uh, and start talking about differences, but just let's de define what they are first. Absolutely, so your HSA is going to be your health savings account. Um, so this is basically you know, money that you're contributing into your account as well as you know, even your employer um, to allow you to create that savings for you know, those medical expenses. And the nice thing about your HSA is it really truly is an ongoing savings account that you can take from year to year to job to job. Um, a lot of people like to classify it as like the new 401k for medical because it really is a retirement savings, um, especially as you, you know, grow older and you stop working, you have all those funds in there um, that don't expire that you can use for, you know, your medical costs. Um, as those get costly, as you need further prescriptions, you know, suffer, you know, health incidents, things like that, it's, it's really a nice little nest egg to have there. Um, your FSAs are flexible spending accounts, and they are just what they are, flexible. Um, they're not attached to medical plans. You don't have to have, you know, different plans that you provide to your employees. This is something that employees can elect, and it's fully contributed by the employee, um, and it is a pre-funded benefit. So what you're electing, you know, for out-of-pocket expenses, for medical, dental, vision, you know, co-pays, co-insurances, over-the-counter items, dental cleanings, um, these funds are available to you day one, and then you have the remainder of the plan year to, to pay that back during your um, payroll deductions. So I know we're gonna we're gonna dive deeper into each one separately here in just a second, mm -hmm. Heather. But maybe maybe just a little context. How, how did can, can you talk talk about the timeline for you know when we first saw HSAs, when we first saw FSAs? What is the intent of legislators as as these types of uh, spending and savings accounts have been in, you know created in the first place? So what, what's what's the background here? Yeah, so I mean, HSAs have always been designed to help out the employees with their deductibles. So HSAs are, you know, kind of paired along with your um, health savings account when you're enrolled in a high deductible health plan. So originally they were designed to help just with that, the high deductible. Um, so a lot of people were, you know, contributing towards that and sometimes their employer contributes to that to simply pay for those high deductibles, especially as insurance premiums and deductibles go up, you know, 
all the time and every year, um, you know, the more funds you have in there to assist with that. But that's originally what they were designed for was for the helping of the employee for those high deductible health plans. Um, FSAs were really kind of put out there um, early on to help with all those out-of-pocket expenses. Um, you know, so the big thing that, you know, I always like to, you know, to refer back to as, you know, remembering when you're electing an HSA versus an FSA. Your HSA helps you save for the future where your FSA is allowing you to save money for those upcoming, you know, plan year. So the FSA has always been designed to help with, you know, multiple out-of-pocket expenses. So, you know, say you have a situation where, you know, you have a pretty hefty dental bill coming up because you need surgery or maybe your kids need their wisdom teeth taken out or maybe you're getting braces. Um, the FSA is perfect for that because, you know, sometimes when things are, you know, all at once, you know, when you have dental surgery, maybe your first portion of that is like a thousand dollars. The FSA allows you that flexibility to use that money all at once um, to pay for that. So that's kind of what that's always been designed for with the FSA. Um, we did have some time throughout the year where uh, over-the-counter items, you know, were always covered and then they took that away about seven, eight years ago. And then with the recent pandemic, um, they brought those those uh, back. So that's going to help employees from a standpoint of purchasing Advil and ibuprofen and cold medicines, first aid kits, um, band-aids, things like that. Um, so that's always been what the FSA has been designed for was to help, you know, members and their families out with those unexpected expenses um, that, you know, come at you sometimes out of nowhere. And so if I can maybe provide some more context for, for our, our listeners today. So uh, t tell me if I'm characterizing this right. So uh, going back, you know, it's a couple decades now with FSA. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the 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 rub here has been the accelerating cost of of healthcare, right? Correct. Um, it's uh, you know the, it's the inflection point is really steep now, um, and it was thought to be steep, you know, 20 years ago. Um, the intent here has always been uh, how do we get a handle? How does how does Washington how do how do how do the, the do our legislators think about helping to bend this cost curve? And part of the psychology here, whether it's worked or not, is the around consumer-driven healthcare, right? That if uh, you have a high deductible plan, uh, you're going to be out of pocket for this money, and you're going to really pay attention to where it goes. You're not going to just take the old HMO when the doctor orders 20 tests, and yeah, I'll take all the services I can get for my fi fixed fee. If you're out of pocket. You're really going to inspect and uh, uh, in shop around uh, for the uh, good value in, in your healthcare, and so uh, same thing for for FSA. So, do you think I'm saying it correct that the, the intention behind HSA and FSA has always been a way to kind of offset the increasing expenses of healthcare in a way that put the consumer uh, more directly in that process, evaluating uh, services, what is required, what's not required, shopping around for the best price. Am I, am I saying that right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely does, you know, help the, you know, the member that's, you know, looking into their expenses for the upcoming year. When you're going through open enrollment with your, you know, your company, you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I have? Like, I think it helps employees pay more attention to their health and upcoming you know, health checkups and surgeries and things that they have done. And it definitely makes them kind of 
realize, okay, what do I need? Like, what's going to be best for my family this year? And, you know, having these available to your employees makes a huge difference because it does help them invest in their health and their future as well. Right. And so um, we're going to unpack the specifics of FSA, HSA differences, how to choose, et cetera. But I think the way employers should be thinking about this is it's a way it's a way for your employees to help offset their healthcare costs. Um, and so whether, whether or not this actually bends the cost curve of healthcare is still a national debate, just like, you know, these, this all probably goes away if we had a unified national healthcare, right? So we're not, we're not for or against any of these things. We're just trying to share the best information we can for employers. Um, the, the, I, I think we would advocate, Heather, tell me if I'm wrong, we would advocate that you consider strong, if you don't currently offer HSAs or FSAs, that you strongly consider this as a true benefit to your employees as a way to help reduce the cost burden of healthcare for them. Am I saying that right? I would 100% agree. And so uh, because these things can be a little complex, especially smaller employers, I think to a large extent have avoided some of these things. Um, and, you know, with the with Affordable Care Act, the ACA, you know, greater than 25 employees by law you have to offer. Uh, so a bunch, of these, a bunch of these smaller companies have been kind of forced into this conversation. Mm-hmm. But I, I just really want to emphasize, you know, in a, in a, when the war for talent has hit Main Street and unemployment levels are what they are and job participation rates are what they are, um, this is this is not just a post-pandemic thing. The the, the scarcity of labor is going to continue to be a problem for another decade or more, right? And so uh, think of FSA, HSA as truly a benefit, something you can offer to employees as a way to attract and retain them. So hopefully we take some of the mystery out of that today. Anything you'd want to add just as an overview before we kind of go into the more details of what is inside of an HSA? No, I think you're absolutely right and explained it. Um, it. It is really, truly a value add, especially for your employees. Um, employers taking this type of acknowledgement into their employees' health and helping them pay for that and finding avenues for them to to be able to afford those costs, I think, is is huge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's get into the, in more details. Can, can you kind of unpack what specifically is in an HSA? Yeah, so your health savings account, which is also known as the HSA acronym. Um, So this is going to be a savings account for employees that are enrolled in a high deductible health plans. So this allows you to set aside money on a pre-tax basis to pay for those qualified medical and some dental expenses. Um, So some of these consist of co-payments, deductibles, co-insurance, even over the counter. So sometimes a lot of people don't realize that it does cover those. Um, And there's a lot of different places that you can go to 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 kind of unpack those um, you know those costs of over the counter so you know we we utilize you know HSA store a lot that's a popular one to go out to and just kind of look there and see you know what's available what's covered um, you know contributions can be both employee and employer um, so that's always you know a popular one for employers to you know to be able to feel like they can contribute so um, 
you know, that's always nice to to help pump up that savings plan um, for the employers. Um, so they are limited to a maximum of each year. So your employee, if you're enrolled in an employee only plan, you know, you're looking at a maximum um, as of 2022 of $3,650. So that's $3,650. And for a family, you're looking at, you know, $7,300 for, you know, that family coverage. Um, so you must have the qualified high deductible health plan um, in order to meet those and to be able to contribute um, to that HSA. Um, but again, I always like to emphasize on the fact that this truly is a savings account. Um, it's not a use it or lose it. You know, you can carry these funds with you from company to company. Um, even if you, you know, change health plans in the future and you move to, like, say, a PPO plan, uh, you can still have your HSA in there. You know, you wouldn't be able to contribute to it, but it, those savings are still there. You're not going to lose them. Um, say you switch jobs and go to a new employer, you can actually transfer those funds from your existing HSA over to a new, H, a new HSA bank account if your new employer is offering a high deductible health plan with an HSA as well. Um, so there's no you know, rush to use all those funds because you're gonna lose them at the end of the year. Um, that is something for you to carry on from, you know, to the future. Um, so that's one of the important parts of the HSA that I like to stress on is that you don't lose those funds. Um, and then of course, just remember, you know, when you're deciding, you know, what you want to contribute, please remember that the max HSA contribution includes both your employer and employee contributions too. So sometimes I know there's confusion um, surrounding that, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, you know, again, it's something that you can save or it's something that, you know, you can continually, you know, use from day to day, you know, for out-of-pocket uh, medical expenses. Um, one thing I like to add too to the HSAs is you're not opposed to having a, a type of FSA plan with your HSA. Oftentimes employers will pair this with a limited FSA, um, a limited FSA, and we'll kind of dive in more to what an FSA is um, further into this, but the limited FSA is similar to an FSA, um, but it is going to allow you to have that with your HSA um, so that you can pay for those additional dental and vision expenses that come across the line too. So we'll go more into that and unpack that a little bit later, but I just wanted to make sure that I reference that, you know, when talking into the HSA. So the big thing here is, uh, the, 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 and tell me if I'm wrong, Heather, the, the biggest benefit to your employees is this is pre-tax dollars, right? So if they're in a high deductible plan, so high deductible plans have come in vogue as, as uh, healthcare costs have just skyrocketed, right? And so rather than, if you think about how our healthcare services are paid for and, and provided in the US, you used to have the concept of insurance that you paid for your healthcare and insurance was if you had the heart attack, you have cancer, you got hit by a bus, uh, it's the catastrophic events, right? And, and over time, insurance really just became the way in which we paid for our healthcare services including just day in, day out doctor visits, right? Right. right. And so as those healthcare costs just skyrocketed, the premiums also, health insurance premiums have skyrocketed. And so these high deductible plans uh, have really become in vogue to make, just, just to simply make the premiums affordable for, for most employees. Um, knowing that you're gonna be out of pocket for the high deductible, um, this is a, simply a pre-tax way uh, 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 of, of 
saving up that money that you're that and because it's uh there's no use it or lose it um it can be it can be a bank for any time in the future now let, let's get some specifics the pre-tax we're talking only federal dollars or is this pre-tax for state taxes or or local taxes as well um so this is your federal and income taxes um for your hsa so it is you know pre-taxed um prior to your paycheck being taxed <clears throat> so 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 the the net answer is there's no state or local tax to apply because it's already been fully deducted it's it's uh from from the net pay right Correct. so because so because this is pre-federal tax there's no downstream tax impact so if you're in a 22 percent tax bracket that means you, you literally just got a 22 percent discount on all of your uh hsa qualifying expenses right absolutely and can you talk then about heather about how so most employers certainly we do this uh in, in, in our payroll systems for 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 clients but most payroll systems uh it's a simple deduction right so you have the benefit plan that you have to set up employees uh elect those uh, those options through an open enrollment period uh presumably uh and just like you'd have any other deduction uh coming out of a, out of a paycheck uh, these funds are deducted. They are then funded into an HSA account. Can you mm -hmm. talk through the mechanics of is this is this the employer's bank account? Does it have to be some third-party fiduciary? Uh, is it the payroll company? How, how, where, where, where does this money live? And then downstream, how does an, an employee access their money to pay the bills? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so these HSA funds, the contributions um, that you're making or the employer's making, um, these actually do live in a bank account. Um, so it can be somebody that the employer you know, partners with, um, or the employees can actually open their own HSA account. So um, it, those funds do have to live um, in a health savings account that is supported from a bank. Um, part of that process too um, is that you do go through the Patriot Act testing. Um, so just like when you're opening your own personal bank account, the HSA is very similar when you're opening that bank account is because they want to verify your identification. They want to make sure that there's not a fraudulent person, you know, trying to open up that account for you where these, you know, savings are going to live. Um, so they do have to go through a bank. Um, most oftentimes the bank will provide login credentials, whether it's through the employer or if you're using that bank individually, um, but they will provide login credentials and registration information for you to access those funds. Um, so you do have the ability to have access to that bank account. You can see the funds as they grow. You, you'll be able to, um, in some cases, have a debit card associated with that um, once the bank account is open for you to use those funds. Um, also, in some portals, some banks that you work with, um, they also have a way for you to go in there and set up you know, automatic payments to your providers. Um, they also have ways for you to pay yourself back. So, you know, if, for instance, you go and maybe you don't use your card, maybe you spend those funds out of pocket, you have the ability to go in there and reimburse yourself um, through your HSA bank account, or again, you can set those funds up to be automatically distributed out to that provider. So maybe you have an ongoing appointment that goes on, you know, pretty regularly. Um, you can actually set up all 
bill pay um, with some HSA bank accounts, you know, to be able um, to send those funds off to your um, provider. And then again, with the HSA, those funds have to actually be incurred um, to be able to use them. So it's not, you know, just because you plan to elect, you know, 3650 in contributions for the year, you have to actually wait till you've incurred those um, to use them. So if you're getting like a biweekly or semi-monthly, uh, you know, contribution, once those funds hit your bank account, then they can be used. Um, and then again, you, like I said, you can use those individually through an HSA bank account or one that your employer provides, um, maybe through a third-party relationship. So Heather, is the onus on the employer or the employee to actually set up the HSA bank account? Um, so it depends um, if, you know, if the oftentimes I see if employers are not contributing to the plan, it would be on the employee, um, you know, to, you know, sometimes they can work with their own bank. Um, sometimes it's, you know, they they go and search for that bank for any type of HSA bank. A lot of um, banks do supply that as a service. Um, but oftentimes what I do see from a employer side is if they are contributing, um, they will provide the relationship. So, you know, even, you know, taking this step back a little bit, maybe you have an HSA bank account with another bank um, and then you start working for, say, Assure. You know, you don't have to move your funds to the bank that Assure has in place, you know, of where they deposit those funds. You can actually still keep and utilize your retailed HSA account to maybe use up those funds, or you have the ability to transfer those funds to your new employer's HSA bank account that they've set up for you. Uh, but most times I do see employers will provide that, whether they're contributing to the HSA or not, um, from a contribution standpoint, they will provide um, a relationship for the employees um, you know, to be able to make those contributions to, especially because it's just easier, that way they can do it through their payroll deductions. Um, so, if so if you're an employer and you, uh, you know, th th there's a benefit to an employer to uh, providing some, whether they pay for all of it or they do a matching or just some type of contribution here, um, because they are gonna, in a high deductible plan, the employer will have lower premiums, not just the employee will have lower premiums. So employers have a vested interest in doing this. And so uh, is most of that usually done then through their insurance broker who they set up all these health benefits? Yeah, oftentimes they do get the resources of their insurance broker um, that will point them in the right direction and, and the right companies to use. And so, uh, you know, for, for our example, you know, with the services that your team provides, uh, it, it's safe to say that a lot of times you're providing those uh, services indirectly through insurance brokers who, who bundle HSA plans in the insurance plans that they provide to employers. But then also we provide, you, your team provides those same services to employers who want to carve that out and come directly to us. Am I saying that right? Correct. And, and having a third party, you know, like Assure, you know, it is helpful because we are kind of the in-between between between the member and the bank or even the employer and the bank. So, you know, we help provide, you know, just kind of a better user experience, um, you know, a, a portal that's a little bit more explainable. But then they also have a team of resources they can reach out to with just getting assistance on, you know, their contributions or how they can use them, um, you know, setting up those accounts, maybe, they need assistance through the 
you know, the Patriot Act testing, you know, they have a dedicated team here um, that they can reach out to and we can assist them along the way. We can assist them with, they get locked out of their bank account, um, you know, getting statements to them, things like that. So it's um, definitely a, a great resource, you know, if you have someone assisting you with that, with that process. Yeah, and, and the reason I go here, and, and you know, I, I try not to make these uh, discussions an overt sales pitch for, for a sure, I just want to be value add. Uh, but the reality is that these, there's, there's a lot of moving parts in especially small and mid-sized companies who have not previously offered HSA, it can be a little intimidating, right? And so uh, if you're not getting this packaged from your broker, um, you could do this on your own, right? But there's a lot of legislation to know. So we'd love it if you use us, but we would highly recommend that either procure these services, HSA, HSA uh, capabilities, through your broker as, as a part of a bundled insurance and health health plan or use some third party to administer this because you know we're we're, we're trying to educate here and in, in one hour that uh, all that has to do with hsa and fsa but there's there's a ton of legalese details that the devil's in the details as always am i saying that right correct yeah, 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 definitely. Any anything that's through the IRS, you always want to make sure you have the comfort of, of that knowledge for sure. Yeah, right. And just the ability to, even if you had the legalese part of it down, just to, as a resource to explain to employees. So if an employee has been in, say, some PPO, HMO kind of a plan forever and it's just too darn expensive, they switch to a high deductible plan in the next open enrollment uh, period uh, and that comes with an HSA they're going to be new to HSAs and, and who, who's going to explain all this to them as they have questions. So there, there, there's a lot to it. Um, anything else high level that you'd want to talk about HSAs? No, I think, we, I think we've covered a, a lot of it without um, going too overboard. <laughs> there's, a, well, there's a lot to it, but I think we hit all of the important points on that. And we'll probably do another webinar another day that will dedicate an hour to nothing but HSAs. Um, but I think the purpose of today is an overview of HSA, overview of FSA, and then the differences and then how, how we should think about choosing. So let, let's use that as a transition point. So uh, give us the definition and explain what an FSA is and how is that, you know, we'll, we'll talk more specifically the difference in, 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 in the, uh, ahead in the conversation, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so your FSA, also known as your flexible spending account, um, or you've also heard it as a flexible spending arrangement. Um, a couple of different lingos go along with the FSA, um, but this can be established by the employer or the um, for their employees. The account allows you to contribute a portion of your regular earnings. So employers um, can also even contribute to um, an FSA, but often this is all employer con employee contributions. Um, so the distributions from this account must be used to be reimbursed for qualified benefits um, related to your medical, dental, or vision expenses. Um, so this is going to be, again, another co-pays, um, co-insurances, out-of-pocket or over-the-counter, um, prescriptions, any dental services, cleaning, you know, vision, eyeglasses, um, exams, things like that. Um, so there's there's so many things covered um, under the FSA that that you can utilize. Um, so it's it's definitely you know what it's named. It's flexible, so it you know you can use it towards all those types of plans and services. 
Um, the only thing FSA does not allow is for anything considered cosmetic. Um, so that's going to be, you know, like your teeth whitening, you know, if you want to get that sunglasses, you know, at the eye doctor that, you know, aren't prescription, you know, that's considered cosmetic, um, things like that. So, you know, there is, you know, oftentimes when you're utilizing an FSA, you will see those receipt requests for like substantiation. So, you know, oftentimes, whether you're using a third party or, you know, the employer is managing this FSA, um, you know, you are required to keep those receipts for your um, FSA expenses, you know, should you ever be audited or asked to substantiate a claim that you've used. Because keep in mind, especially if you're using like a debit card that's associated with your FSA, that card's going to go through, you know, when you're going to your medical, dental, and vision providers. So oftentimes, you know, there is kind of an audit period where, you know, the vendor or third party may want to verify those purchases because one, they're looking to make sure that you're using the the contributions, you know, in the plan year, you contributed them. And they're also wanting to make sure that you're using it for, you know, something that's actually covered too. Yeah. Can I stop you for a second? So you, you yeah. referencing a card, you and I know what that means. Yep. Um, employers who have been providing HSA and FSA uh, plans for a while, they know what a card is. But if, if for, the, for our small business listeners who are, who are thinking about or just learning about it, it but have never offered say an FSA before sure. what is this card that you're even talking about so when you get an FSA um, you have the employer has the option to offer a debit card along with your flexible spending account so these funds that you elect you know are pre-funded and available to you day one of the plan year and they can be placed on a card so whether you're using the card or whether you don't use the card um, you have the way to submit those claims manually to get reimbursed, but if the employer is offering that pre-funded debit card, you can simply just go to your doctor's appointments, pick up your prescriptions, some cases over the counter if you're going to purchase things you know, at the pharmacy, um, you can simply just give them that card and the funds will take off of your flexible spending account. So again, that is a pre-funded. So if you elect $1,000 and your plan year starts 1-1, that card, if you if distributed to that employee um, for their plan, will have that $1,000 on there for you. Now you'll have all plan year to reimburse, you know, to reimburse that plan back, you know, through your payroll deductions. But you, if you are using a card, those funds will be available to you on that card. Or whether you're, you know, not having a card, if you don't have one in place, you know, for that plan, um, those funds are still available to you for you to submit those manual claims against that. Um, and then again, you have the whole plan year um, to pay back those funds via those payroll deductions, but you will be able to use them upfront, which is great in situations, especially if it's out of the blue, you know, maybe suddenly, you know, you cracked a tooth and you need to go have dental surgery. Um, it's really, really nice to be able to have those funds available to you versus waiting till you incur them each pay period and having to save up for an emergency. And just to be clear, I'm going to go back to the cards. So, uh, wh whomever you go with, whether you use us to administer your FSAs or, or uh, a different source, we're literally talking about Visa, MasterCard backed debit cards. So this is not some special closed network that it, you know got to find out whether your provider accepts or does not accept the card. The card truly means it's a debit card, same as a bank debit card, that uh, your employees could use this money on any qualifying medical expenses, right? 
correct. Yep, and you do have the opportunity to just use that as a credit card, or you can also be assigned a PIN number, you know, for extra security measures. So, you know, if you are getting a card, you can request a PIN number for that card to use it as a true debit card. Um, but, you know, like you said, Mike, it is it is a true um, Visa or MasterCard, um, you know, very similar to how you would use, you know, any other card that you have on hand. Um, you know, but it, again, it's it's triggered and it's set up and sophisticated enough to know where you're using that. So it's, you know, based on merchant category codes that are set up behind the scenes on that Visa or MasterCard. Um, it's going to know when you're at the doctor's office or at the hospital or if you're trying to buy shoes at the shoe store. You know, if you try to pick up a pair of shoes or go shopping at Macy's, you know, it's going to decline that card. Um, one really great feature about the card, too, um, oftentimes is when you're purchasing. So maybe you're, you know, at a local pharmacy and you're buying you know, a Diet Coke and some Advil. The card is sophisticated enough to know within that local pharmacy that the, the Diet Coke is not covered. So it's going to go ahead and deduct that amount off your card for that Advil, but it's gonna ask you for another form of payment for that soda that you're trying to purchase. Yeah, that's, that's, that's hugely important. And just simplifies things so much. I mean, it's not like a business expense report where you have to manually line item out what was reimbursable expenses versus not because these cards are all tied to the merchant codes and therefore the products and service types and by law these healthcare providers must set those merchant codes up properly um this all happens in a very automated fashion right correct yes um and it's great i mean this the card, you know, that it's able to do that and, and be able to be sophisticated enough to know where you're trying to purchase that is, is a great um, asset, especially for the employers too, because, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, their, their employers are using those properly and they're using them at the right places too. So it, it's a huge security on that card too that provides check protection. So I won't steal too much from the future of our conversation here, uh, <laughs> but we did talk about HSAs, uh, it truly is a savings account, right? So you contribute money, your employer might contribute money, you contribute money, either way, it's a savings account. And if you don't spend the money on qualifying expenses, it just banks and rolls. Uh, that's not the case with that uh, FSA. I know we're gonna talk differences here in, in, in a bit, but it, just speak to the use it or lose it if you could. Yep, absolutely. So the use it or lose it for your FSA is truly what it is. So if you have funds left over at the end of the plan year, now the employer can decide if they want to have, you know, run out periods and, and rollovers and, and, you know, grace periods. I know that's probably another whole webinar in itself, um, unpacking what the three of those things are, because it's usually a very common misunderstanding of how those work. But, you know, in, for example, for this call today, you know, if there is a run out period, so say the employer allows 90 days for employees to still spend those funds, you know, at the end of that plan year, um, they'll have, say, 90 days. So, you know, your plan year goes from 1-1 to 1231. You might be given an additional 90 days to submit those claims that would have incurred from your previous plan year. But once that 90 days is up and if the employer's not offering, you know, a 
grace period or a rollover or anything like that, you could potentially lose those funds. Um, so it's, you know, depending on how the plan is set up, you know, eventually those rollovers and runouts and grace periods end. There isn't always an end date associated with it. So, you know, you could potentially, you know, if you're not paying attention or if you over elect or not even realize what you can still spend those funds on, you know, you could potentially lose those funds. Um, so it is important to, uh, to you know, make sure you're, you know, using like an FSA calculator, um, you know, when you're trying to determine, you know, what you're electing for that year, or at least educate yourself enough to know you, what you can spend those on so you don't lose those funds. Because like you said, Mike, with the HSA, that's something you carry on and move from year to year where your FSA does have an expiration date on it. Right. And th this is always the reason why FSAs have been hurt for participation, right? So there's the same pre-tax value. So this is this is real hard savings because you get to stick the money away before taxes. So it's it's tax-free money. And so again, if you're at the 22% uh, tax rate, you're literally saving 22% on all those expenses. So that's a lot, right? Yeah. Um, but there's always been this fear of okay, what if what if I don't use the money that's in that? Uh, so I, I've had my money auto deducted from my paycheck uh, in funding this FSA account, but I don't use the money. I could have blown all the potential savings, and therefore it's not worth it to me. How do you? What's your advice to employers to 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 help them navigate that conversation to help their employees still take advantage? of the really big benefit of an FSA? Oh gosh, the, the, the biggest word I can use is just education. Um, yeah. You know, the education is the big part of that, you know, making sure, especially like if you're using like a third party, um, you know, that through a broker or through your employer, they will help with that education piece. So, you know, internally here for us, you know, that's our biggest thing um, when clients go through the renewal is, you know, we have participant guides and welcome letters and, you know, flyers for some of the partners that we use um, that gives them additional education that they can read up on. Um, open enrollment meetings, having someone speak to these plans, um, that's the biggest Thing that I can recommend is just education because I mean I know internally here for ourselves we get a lot of phone calls where employers or employees say oh I didn't know you could buy that or oh you can use it for that oh I didn't know that um, so you know it's the education piece is huge and I think a lot of people are scared to sign up for it because they don't want to lose their money but I think once they realize the amount of things that they can purchase to utilize those funds um, I know for myself I run out almost every year well before the end of the plan year and I'm like just it's a new plan year to start so right. you know I right. think just Education is, is probably the biggest thing that I could say is just anything that you can get out in front of those employees so that they understand how they can spend these funny is it, a value for everybody. And if you think about going back to the purpose here, so there are, there are we'll, we'll discuss strategic reasons to choose HSA versus FSA, um, but uh, especially smaller employers who may not even be required by law to provide uh, health insurance because they're smaller than the uh, ACA requirements. If if you're the reason you're providing plans like this are to recruit and retain employees, then communication is a huge part of that anyway because you're literally marketing 
your company to the marketplace, to the to prospective employees, and here's all the benefits. So uh, the communication part is certainly important, but, but it's way more important than just, uh, let me give my employees some good education during the open enrollment period. This has gotta be something that is just part of my marketing story, my, my employment brand story, uh, starting at recruitment and part of onboarding and certainly carries through the, the, the life cycle of the employee. Anything else you want to add on FSAs before we start talking about key differences? No, I, I think that pretty much covers it. You know, like I said, my my biggest thing is just the education, um, just, you know, getting out all the necessary information out to to the employees and, and even employers, you know, helping educate themselves, you know, whether they're doing that through their broker or a third party, just understanding these features. Because you brought up a really good point is a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to have a health or dental or vision plan in place for your employees to offer a flexible spending account. So right. I think that's education. That's my takeaway from that. Yeah, right. All right, let's start start talking about some of the key differences. So maybe, maybe uh, I'll, I, don't, I don't know if you had an order in your head, but the, the, I think the biggest one is, is always this, use it or lose it versus not uh, use it or lose it. So, because they both essentially have the same different contribution limits, but the same tax benefit, right? Correct. Yep, absolutely. That's probably the, the first one on my list would be, you know, the use it or lose it versus, you know, being able to carry it from year to year. Um, so those are the two big differences between those is your FSA does have an expiration where your HSA does not. Um, you know, FSAs do have a little bit of, of wiggle room again, depending on how the employer sets up their plan and builds out their FSA. You know, there are opportunities to give employees a little bit longer, you know, if they need to submit those last minute claims or maybe have a rollover where they, you know, the, some of those funds can be moved into the next plan year. Um, but again, it, it's all it's all time restraints. So it's all going to expire at some point um, where your HSA is not going to have that. Um, the next, you know, item would really just be your contribution limits. You know, there is a max set up for your FSA, just like there is an HSA. Um, but the one thing I like to point out on the FSA um, that's a little bit different is, you know, they don't, it's not really segregated by employee or family or, you know, employee plus children. Um, the FSA is really a set max amount. Um, so the IRS released this year for 2022 that you can elect up to, you know, $2,850 for your FSA. Um, one thing that I like to point out that a lot of people don't realize is you and your spouse can both have an FSA. They can work at completely different employers and you can both take advantage of that full election amount uh, where you're a little bit reserved on the HSA because it's based on, you know, an employee or a family amount. So if you have that family amount, you as a family can't go over that maximum um, where your FSA, you can both you know, ideally enroll in it all on your own and both have your own spending accounts. So that's, you know, one thing I like to break out on the, the FSA. Um, but yeah, the HSAs, we're going to roll over, your FSAs don't. Um, so those are probably two of the bigger differences besides just the, um, you know, just the maximum amounts that you can elect for the year. I know that you can't necessarily do both an FSA and an HSA because they're both pre-tax dollars and they and they have similar intentions. So the the, the uh, Congress doesn't want you to to double dip necessarily. But uh, what if it's something we didn't talk about? FSAs is different types of FSAs. 
So yep. there's traditional flexible spending account versus childcare flexible spending accounts. Um, can you can, can you maybe speak into what the difference of the of a child uh, 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 maybe it's called dependent care uh, DC FSAs if I'm remembering yeah. it right. Uh, yeah. uh, and can you can you do that and HSA at the same time? Yeah. So I mean that is one thing that you can have together. So you know your HSA and your dependent care because dependent care just like it is it is a flexible spending account that allows you to pay for childcare expenses for children under the age of 12. Um, this can also be used for um, qualifying adults, including a spouse or maybe a parent that you've become, you know, responsible for. Um, but the dependent care, you know, has different maximum contribution, um, you know, so if you're electing, you know, say $5,000 for, you know, your child's daycare, having an HSA has no impact on that because Again, the dependent care is specifically for, you know, child care or spouse care or family care, you know, if you're taking care of that family member. So they're not going to cross paths in the world of covering medical expenses. Um, these are simply for, you know, to be able to provide a benefit for you while you're working so that you can utilize a service to, you know, whether it's a daycare for your child or, you know, an incoming, you know, nurse or a babysitter or an all pair. Um, so that's completely separate and segregated from the HSA. Um, now, HSAs in limited purposes. So limited purpose is also another type of FSA that I'll touch on real quick. So this is what it is. It's limited flexible spending. So as it works very much like the flexible spending account, this one's limited to your dental advision. So this is something that you can use and, and is often elected along with an HSA because this is allowing you to keep those HSA funds strictly towards your medical costs where you can elect and you know contribute on your own in a pre-funded fashion for dental and vision expenses. So you can keep your limited FSA strictly for those out-of-pocket expenses significantly towards your dental and your vision. And those can be together and if you are using a debit card like we've touched back on the past is um, you can actually have both of those on your card so the card is sophisticated enough to know whether you're going to a doctor's office or you're picking up you know eyeglasses um, so those are two that you can absolutely use together um, fsas and dependent cares can be used together again totally different purposes totally different purse of money of, of what you're spending those on um, so that's just to kind of high level highlight um, the difference of, of those types of plans and what can be used together. Well, that, that, that's important because um, I think one of the things that intimidates smaller employers, they want to be able to provide these kinds of benefits to their employees, you know, for attracting talent, retaining talent, um, and just because they care about them, they want to be able to provide some benefits. Um, but it's scary because there's so much so, so much the education component um if they don't understand it thoroughly how they're going to explain it to their employees but when everything can truly happen on one card both fsa dollars and uh hsa dollars it really just takes the mystery out of it for for the employee which is the important component here right, right. Yeah, and again, that goes back to my education. I mean, this is all stuff that, you know, generally gets explained, you know, during open enrollment and renewal processes. Brokers are great at advocating resources to, you know, explain this information. Um, and, you know, just the overall education that you get from either a third party um, is helpful for the employer to be able to explain these value adds that they're offering. 
Yeah, maybe the last thing to talk about uh, for the, for important differences, uh, and you alluded to it in each uh, topic, HSA and FSA, but the the timing in which you can spend the money versus the money goes into the account. So do I have it right, Heather, that, so FSA, I've got my $2,850 annual limit, um, and so pay period one, I, you know, just got a, a small amount that is in my FSA account. It's not a savings account, it's a spending account, but I can spend, if I have qualifying medical expenses, I can spend all 2850, uh, but part of it is gonna be debit, whatever money I have in there, part of it is gonna be credit where I'm kind of borrowing from the future. Whereas HSA, I can only spend the money on A, qualifying expenses, but B, I can only spend the money that I actually have in the savings account. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Okay. So I, I think unless you have other key differences, to me, that's maybe the most important consideration as we kind of wrap this and just talk about which one should you choose. Anything else you'd want to talk about on key differences before we go there? No, I think we touched on the most common ones um, that generally come up. All right. So the biggies. Uh, HSA is truly a savings account. No user to lose it. FSA is user or, or lose it. Um, FSA, your employees can borrow from the future. They don't have to have money in the account. They can still spend it and get the tax savings. Um, highly predictable expenses like dependent care, um, uh, uh, checkups, uh, annual glasses, dental, things that are very predictable. It's almost like no brainer. Um, HSA, you can only spend what money you've saved, but you get to bank it for the long haul. Kind of give us, how would how would you what are the big buckets of guidance that you would give to employers uh, to to choose which or which combinations of, of these plans that they should be thinking about for their employees? Yeah, so I mean, obviously the the most common one is is your HSA. So you know, anytime I understand that an employer has a high deductible health plan, it's generally the first one that I recommend, um, just because of the fact that it, you know it's it's a great savings tool. Um, so, you know, whether you, I mean, a, a lot of times here's the biggest, you know, misunderstanding that employees have when they're making these decisions too, is I don't have a lot of healthcare. You know, I don't, I don't go to the doctor much. I just go to my annual checkups and I don't have any kids and, you know, I, why would I need that? That what they don't understand is that again, it is, it is a savings account so you could just literally sit and just save and save and save because there might be a you know a time in the future 10 years down the road that you absolutely will need those funds and the fact that you'll have this little nest egg kind of saved there you know for any future issues that come up it's great to know that you have those funds it's almost like deciding you know on a 401k like you know gosh i, I really want to have money for the future and my retirement and, and savings you know can I afford to put a little bit away for that? Same same logic in thinking goes with your HSA. So if you have a high deductible health plan, you know this is a great way for you to just tuck away some money, you know, for your future. Maybe you get married down the road and have children. You know, these are things that you know that you want to think about kind of now, and and that you'll have these funds that you've been saving along the way um, to be prepared for those medical expenses that kind of come up out of the blue sometimes. Um, so right. that would probably be the first thing that I, I like to mention, um, you know, yeah, and if I could just, if I could stick stay on that for just a second. Yeah. So 
the benefit to the, so uh, whether young or old, new entry to the workforce or uh, approaching retirement, it's the tax benefit. It's whatever tax bracket you're in, that's your that's your savings. So it's it's real meaningful dollars, right? Yeah. Um, and then I, I like your examples. You know, if you are if you're new entrant to the workforce, um, you're gonna you get married. There's new expenses. You have kids. There's new expenses. Um, and if you're at the other end of the spectrum and you're approaching retirement, we I mean common sense. We all think no. Uh, healthcare costs go up. The older you get, the more ailments we have, right? In, in in specialty medicines and some of the whether it's heart attacks and cancers and and whatever else, uh, some of these treatments become very very expensive. So there's real tax dollars and there's real health reasons to do it, no matter where on the spectrum you are. Yep. Nope, that's a great way to say it. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably the best example that I could give and 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 what I've even been for providing to my my own children that are now entering the workforce and are getting older. And um, you know, it's like, God, if I knew what I know now, um, when I was, you know, 20 and 21, I mean, it's it it's huge. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, that's one of the things I press to employers is, you know, it doesn't matter, you know start thinking about that stuff now because you know again it's money that you don't think about especially when you're young you know put that away and then it's not doesn't feel like such a burden later on right um, right okay so I, I took you off track what what are some of the other key <laughs> just criteria yeah i mean so in just in going with the hsa again yeah it's 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 a huge savings if they have a high deductible health plan that's the one that you know i usually encourage them for and a lot of these conversations are already taking place too with their brokers but anytime you know in in my own personal circumstances when we get involved you know that's what i like to understand is what plans do you have in place okay so now you just have a ppo plan okay have you thought about an fsa fsas you know are great to use because again, those also help you with those expenses. Um, but again, it, it's something that, you know, you may not think you need it right now, but there's always gonna be a way to spend those funds. So if if you have upcoming FSA dental and vision expenses, you know, it's a great value to have for your employees to be able to utilize those funds. And, and the FSA is pretty popular. Um, even with the fact that, you know, there's the potential to lose it. Again, I think education is huge and making sure that, you're putting all the right information in front of them to show them how they can use their funds so that they're not going to lose it. Um, and once I think people understand all the, the different varieties of things that they can use that for, um, it does become, you know, a, uh, a more productive um, plan to use. It, it's funny, just in a quick example, too, is, you know, the the participation I see, you know, internally here with clients is that, you know, it, it catches on. It's word of mouth, too. It's like, hey, you're not using the FSA here. Like, do you know that you could buy this, this and this and this? And like, you can buy it all right now and you don't have to, you know, wait. And then employees are like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm going to set up. I'm going to sign up for that next year. So uh, between education and word of mouth, you know, between employees that are using it, um, you know, it it's huge and, and it makes a huge impact too. you know, when you don't have those funds, you know, for those emergencies that come up to you or just the day to day expenses that you're already purchasing. Um, right. So definitely when I'm speaking with employers, you know, I there's there's always something that you can use that can provide that additional value. And especially now with over the counter 
items back on and you know people are utilizing those I, I don't even think they can realize like how many different things they can purchase for themselves or their families um, you know with these pre-tax dollars right right anything else that you want to give guidance on, on how to choose HSA versus FSA I think we're good I mean from a high level I could talk about this all day so um, sure we don't have hours <laughs> but uh, so maybe I would maybe I would wrap with this yeah. um, in just what we do so if you're a regular watcher of the show you, you, you you've seen this slide before so uh, Assure provides parallel in tax HR and time and attendance software, but also HR services. Some of those services are truly HR consulting, where we are your fractional outsourced HR department. Some of them are uh, services like uh, 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 COBRA administration, FSA administration, HSA administration, because the, the devil's in the details. Um, but I think most employers that, who, are, who are sophisticated buyers of health plans and providers have been providing services like this to their employees, we'd love to work with you directly. Um, if you are a new entrant to this space, uh, we could recommend any number of our broker partners uh, where a health insurance broker can really help architect what those plans should look like, what the carriers should be, how much, how you should be thinking about in your demographics, in your geography, uh, how to construct high deductible plans with low deductible plans and what are going to be the best options for your employees how much of that will be employer funded versus employee funded assure is not an, an insurance company and a lot of that really good advice comes from those insurance brokers so if you feel really confident in these areas and you just want to outsource the administration we'd love to help or uh, if you have questions that you want to get in contact with an insurance broker who is really an expert at helping you to manage these healthcare costs as a way that still helps to attract and retain employees, uh, we'd be happy to refer you to those sources as well. So with that, Heather, as always, I learned uh, so much from you. So thank you for joining me today. And thanks to everyone else for, for joining until next week. Thank you.